I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth and Mission. This is also a special crossover episode with It's All Political. And joining me today is the host of that podcast, Joe Garofoli. We're talking about Tuesday's special elections for two Senate seats in Georgia and what the outcome will mean for a host of Californians, including Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, and Alex Padilla. Plus, we're talking about that infamous phone call from President Trump to Georgia's Secretary of State and why a surprising number of Congress people are standing by the president's brazenly false claims that he won the election. Joe Garofoli, welcome to the podcast. Happy New Year. It's great to be back. So 2021, so everything is automatically so much better, right? It is. It's My life has changed markedly in the last <laughs> four days. <laughs> it's just this, I had this conversation with someone, it's just, I mean, things, it's so funny that people, you know, the, the, the turning of the calendar will make, <laughs> make you forget how horrible things were just, you know, five or six days ago. Yes. And arguably <laughs> still are. And arguably um, still are. Yes. <laughs> well, today we are talking about um, major development in Georgia. Mm-hmm. We have the Senate race that everybody's been looking forward to um, on Tuesday, two races. So tell me about these races, um, who's involved and what it's looking like so far. All right. Well, these uh, there are two races there, and these are a runoff because uh, the, they um, are special elections because someone didn't get uh, 50% of the vote. So in one race, it's uh, Democrat John Ossoff, and he's sort of a documentary film producer. He's never held elected of office before against uh, Republican senator, incumbent senator David Perdue. And in the other race, it's the Reverend Raphael Warnock, again, someone who's never held uh, elective office. He was a uh, uh, a, a minister at uh, Martin Luther King's church in Atlanta. And he's up against the uh, incumbent Senator Kelly Loeffler, who was appointed to the position several months ago. Okay. Uh, th- this affects, uh, this is, this is going to affect the entire country. Um, right. Because if both of the Democrats win, then we have a tie and that will put our very own Kamala Harris, um, in a very powerful position. Kamala Harris will get uh, more face time than, uh, pretty much any other vice president in history because she'll be casting a lot of tie-breaking votes in the Senate. And that will affect everything from uh, the judges who will be serving in the federal bench to major legislation. If there's mm-hmm. uh, if Democrats uh, do not uh, uh, have a, a 50-50 split, if they don't sweep these elections, you can pretty much kiss a lot of Joe Biden's uh, agenda goodbye. Right, because a lot of what he wants to get done cannot get done just with executive orders. That is correct, and he it will. Uh, and you know, if he wants to do major change on you know climate, uh, which could affect California very much, if he wants to pass another major uh, COVID relief bill, again, we have that would affect us here in California very much. He needs he needs Congress. He needs money. He can't just do that with an executive order. Okay. So what are things looking like um, for the races? Do you have any predictions? <laughs> this is what uh, I'm always asking you. Who's going to win? I know. And I know. And I always shy away from them, much like many major pollsters have in this race <laughs> because of, uh, well, because of what happened a couple months ago. Um, the the polls show uh, both Democrats up very slightly, uh, but w- well within the margin of error. This is this is we're we're in uh, unprecedented territory here with two Senate elections um, being held where many people are voting over the holidays, uh, and you know Georgia has uh, you know they've had problems counting the votes both in the primary last year and in the general election, 
um, uh, they expect turnout to be, you know, strong, but strong for what? We, we've never seen an election before, so we don't know what it's going to be like. Then the the other wild card is the president. Uh, he is <laughs> wild own, card is an understatement. <laughs> yes, he's even more wild cardy than usual <laughs> in, in here because he's as we speak is uh, headed to Georgia for a final rally. Um, but he's sort of he's spent as we know the last what two months uh, basically complaining about the votes. He feels he's been ripped off. Uh, and he is with the, there's been maybe 60 uh, legal challenges to various results around the country, including in Georgia. Uh, none of them have found any evidence of voter fraud, uh, significant voter fraud. Uh, but yet he ke- still keeps on talking about this. And and when he comes when he keeps talking about how crazy and screwed up the system is, uh, the concerns that many Republicans have, namely Senator Purdue and Loeffler, uh, are that that will depress the vote in Georgia. So he mm-hmm. may be uh, eating his own seed corn here, I guess his former seed corn, uh, by uh, by messing with the uh, with the turnout here and, and depressing the turnout. Because he's saying that these votes can't be trusted. So then why would his followers go out and vote? Yeah. Why should why should you know the, the concern is among Georgia Republicans and Republicans everywhere is like, what, why would people vote if they if why would they trust uh, and invest in a in a crooked system? Um, so that's the concern there. Uh, mm-hmm. none, nonetheless, hundreds, literally hundreds of millions of dollars have uh, poured into these races, much of it from California, by the way. Um, and so uh, it's um, uh, th- this is uh, there's been nonstop television commercials. Just thank thank God we're not living in Georgia right now because <laughs> we, we would we would be watching literally every commercial is about the Senate race. Yeah, um, ugh, it's painful. Do Democrats seem pretty jazzed um, in Georgia? Do you think that their turnout will be strong? They they said they you know they're optimistic, but again we're we're in uncharted territory. We don't know we don't know what that means and what people will do. Uh, there the early you know the the early vote has been has been good. The Democrats say, um, but we don't know. And mm-hmm. one another thing we won't know is the results. Yeah, I was going to ask you um, how long that's going to take. Yeah, don't 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 stay up Tuesday night um, <laughs> because uh, you know, watch a movie, watch uh, you know uh, Netflix. You want your favorite Netflix um, because this could take a while to count. Uh, ballots will be coming in for a couple of days, and mm-hmm. uh, we 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 might not know this for a while. We'll be right back after a short break. In related news, I wanted to ask you about um, Wildcard Trump's phone call to the Georgia Secretary of State, which has been getting a lot of attention lately. Um, can you tell listeners uh, briefly what that was and what any fallout may be? So on Saturday, the the president called uh, Brad Raffensperger. He's the Secretary of State of Georgia and a Republican. Uh, and he asked him to, quote, find him enough votes to essentially overturn the election results in Georgia. Uh, and he's kind of sort of vaguely threatened him with a criminal offense. Um, this is for not committing way, a crime. Yes. Yeah. This, this is, this is, uh, he is way out of bounds on this. Right. Um, this is, uh, the, the Fulton County uh, district attorney that's in Atlanta is looking into investigating this. He might've violated federal and election and federal and state laws against soliciting election fraud here. Uh, and, um, you know, and uh, even, even some Republicans 
they're not necessarily criticizing the president, but they're, you know, speaking out against this in some way. Um, uh, this is the, the concern here is, I mean, and by the way, we know this because uh, the secretary of state recorded the conversation or someone in his office recorded it. It was on uh, many people were on the call, various attorneys and such. And uh, he wasn't going to release it in, unless he said the president started uh, misrepresenting their conversation publicly. Mm-hmm. The president, as he's wont to do, uh, you know, will go took to Twitter and started misrepresenting the conversation. Shortly after that, uh, the uh, trans the uh, the tape was uh, was uh, reported on by a couple of media outlets, including the full full transcript of the tape, the tape itself. Uh, and and we can uh, we you can listen to it and it's 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 really chilling. It's first of all the president does I would say uh, ninety five to ninety eight percent of the talking over an hour hour and eight minute long tape. It's rambling. It's many ways incoherent. It's mm-hmm. full of misrepresentations about what went on in Georgia and and uh, alleged voter fraud and 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 and. Uh, uh, and misdeeds and and a lot of it is, uh, if not all of it, is inaccurate. Uh, yeah. But it really shows the desperation of Trump at this point. Uh, a couple of weeks before his uh, the his term will come to an end, and uh, it has it has it puts people on edge to to see a president behave this way in a, in a threatening way. People have compared him to like um, like someone from The Sopranos or a mafia don threatening someone in like a shakedown. Um, it's, it's really, it's really a frightening thing to listen to. And yet, despite that, um, several members of Congress are actually going to stick up for his bizarre claims that the election was stolen from him, um, this week, right? Yes. Uh, about a dozen members of the Senate and, and, uh, including, you know, fairly prominent ones like Ted Cruz, um, of Texas, Senator from Texas. And, uh, they're, they're standing, they're, they're saying, um, and Ted Cruz is a former solicitor general of the United States. So he, I mean, he's a, a highly trained, highly educated lawyer, even though there is no legal basis for it. Uh, he, he is talking about how uh, this, this, uh, he wants to look into more voter fraud, even though, as we said, five dozen cases have uh, legal challenges have been made about voter fraud and various improprieties. The courts have, have upheld none of them. Why are they doing this? It just doesn't seem to make any sense. Well, in Cruz's case, and in, in the case of uh, some other folks, they want to. Uh, Cruz, you're probably very likely going to run for president again in uh, 2024, so he wants to kiss up to the uh, Trump base, the the very loyal supporters of him. Who uh, remember there are 74 million people who in this country who voted for President Trump, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's a significant voting block. He wants to show that he's on, uh, you know, he's simpatico with Trump. That he is, uh, that he feels that the that the system is rigged, and the president got a raw deal, um, and this is his way of showing it. Um, it's it's a bizarre thing to do, uh, especially for as I said, someone with who's a, a sharp legal mind like Ted mm-hmm. Cruz, um, uh, but many other folks, many other Republicans are doing the same because that's you know as as we've written, uh, Trump will be gone, but Trumpism will live on. Uh, in oh some form or another. Well, back to California. Let's run down some other scenarios with this Georgia race. If uh, 
if we do tie the Senate 50 to 50, it will actually have a lot of ramifications for Californians, um, as we touched on in the beginning. But there's more to talk about in your very interesting story on sfchronicle.com. Um, how is this likely to affect Attorney General uh, Becerra's um, nomination for Secretary of Health and Human Services? He will. Uh, he is, uh, you know, everybody who's nominated for the Senate or for the uh, cabinet has to be confirmed by the Senate. So uh, he'll, he'll get a rougher confirmation battle if, uh, if, if it's a Republican-led uh, Senate. Um, he has already been branded as a quote-unquote radical by some conservatives for his support of abortion rights and his advocacy for the Affordable Care Act. Now, anybody who knows uh, has followed Javier Becerra's career, uh, uh, <laughs> radical is the last, <laughs> no, is the last thing he's, uh, yes, he was, yes, he, he's a fellow Stanford grad, uh, Heather, of yours, <laughs> what, are your, what are your people? We're not radical. Uh, yeah, there's That's no the radicals at Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's um, uh, you know, largely to, to the center of the, of the Democratic Party, center left. Uh, he spent 20 years in Congress. So, um, uh, you know, so a Democratic-led uh, Cong- uh, Senate would be a lot easier on, on quote-unquote, controversial nominees like Becerra. But he, I think he'll, he'll get through uh, either way. Mm-hmm. And then we also have um, the governor's nomination of Alex Padilla f- to replace Kamala Harris as a California senator. Um, any thoughts on what may happen there? Yeah, uh, Padilla, uh, he, she, he will be filling out the rest of uh, Kamala Harris's term, which is so he'll have to be running for re-election in two years. Um, the uh, uh, if he if the Democrats are in the majority, he has a better shot of you know being a part of some major legislation, and that will make it harder if he is a part of that, uh, you know, like some major laws or some maybe something on climate change or what have you. Uh, it will be harder for other Democrats to take him on in 2022. Uh, you know, the Republicans, not as much of a threat to the Senate. They just don't have the candidates here. They don't have the, uh, they don't, nobody has the financial backing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, uh, the, this is what has similar thing happened going on 30 years ago with Dianne Feinstein. She was elected to, um, fill out the uh, final two years of a term in 1992, when she was first elected to the Senate here in California. Uh, there was a, a, a very strong democratic majority in the Senate. We had a democratic president, Bill Clinton, and she was led the passage of the assault weapons ban. Mm-hmm. And that helped her win, uh, election to a full six year term in 1994. And as we know, she's been there ever since. Mm-hmm. You also touched on House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's future in relation to all this. Yes. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, Bakersfield guy, uh, a very uh, close friend of the president. The president calls him my Kevin. Um, <laughs> really? He, he calls him, he calls I him my Kevin. I don't think my, I wanted to know that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a little uncomfortable nickname. Um, so... Uh, the uh, the House that was sworn in the other day, Nancy Pelosi uh, was uh, became Speaker again, uh, and uh, but the Democrats have one of the smallest advantages um, in the House of Republicans that that have been uh, any party's had in a couple of decades. Only about uh, eleven votes, uh, two twenty two to two eleven. So um, typically, when uh, in a president's in the first midterm election after a president. Um, uh, the uh, the president's party loses a lot of seats. So if Democrats do not have uh, the Senate, they are much less likely to get some some major legislation passed. They'd be seen as doing something. And um, uh, if they don't, 
you know, if they, if Republicans control the Senate, Democrats would be up uh, the House. Uh, voters might say in, in, in a couple of years, say, hey, Democrats, what have you done for us? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to try somebody else. And the margin is so slim in the House that control may flip back to uh, Republicans. And Kevin McCarthy would be the likely speaker if that happens. And then lastly, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who just was elected um, Speaker again, um, how would things go for her? Um, well, if Democrats win in the Senate, Pelosi will uh, shift into governing mode, and much as she did in 2009 when uh, um, Obama was first elected. Democrats had the House and the Senate and, of course, the White House. And uh, that, you know, she spearheaded the passage of the Affordable Care Act and the uh, uh, aid to, to help people with recession. Uh, who are who are hurt by the recession and a whole bunch of other democratic uh, legislation. So she that would be that would be great for her. It would be great for Democrats, and uh, and they would likely hold uh, the House again. If it doesn't, then she'll have to and and uh, Republicans hold the Senate. Mitch McConnell will be in charge, and she'll have to negotiate with him to uh, get anything done. And uh, so far, as we know, that <laughs> is a partnership has yielded little. Other than gridlock, <laughs> yes, and and a lot of lot of arguing and a lot of people being frustrated with politics. Right. Well, let's hope for something new. Twenty twenty one is all about twenty twenty one. Yes, <laughs> something <laughs> different. Well, thanks for joining me today, and good luck covering these races. I will. I will uh, hope. I will not be staying up Tuesday night. I'm going. To, okay. I'm going to be watching Netflix, and then <laughs> maybe by Wednesday we'll we'll know something. Okay. Great. Good to talk to you as always. Okay. Thanks, Heather. Thank you to Joe Garofoli for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. 